this is Stephanie Hansen, and I am here with my friend Robin Aspel, and we are Dishing with Stephanie's Dish, the podcast where I talk to people in the food space, and lately I've been focusing on people who have written cookbooks because I've been trying to network with some of these folks in the Twin Cities and about, just because writing a cookbook is a kind of unique experience that we shared, and so many of these people are just, I admire them so much, they're veterans of the craft, and writing a cookbook is not easy. So Robin, I knew I wanted to meet with you right away because you have written so many phenomenal cookbooks. Well, thank you. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's, it's just, uh, I think at this point, well, I've written 11 under my name and, uh, and uh, a 12th for someone else. So, I mean, that is a lot of cookbooks. And when you write a cookbook for someone else, they don't even put your name on it. My name is in the back of the book as recipe developer. Okay. So. All right. Wow. Okay. I don't know if I could get anybody that would take me on to do that because I don't know. It's just, it's a whole new like world, a new lifestyle. And you've kind of created your own niche because you do a lot of plant-based type cooking. And I think I first discovered you was it your grain cookbook? But it had to be before that because that one wasn't even that old. Well, the my first book was the new whole grains cookbook, and I do remember coming over and dropping it off to you at the at you know at your job. Yeah, so that yeah. was the first. Yeah, yeah, the new whole grains cookbook. Yeah. So, Robin, then you've been writing about a cookbook a year. That was pretty much the rhythm I had going for a while. One year I even wrote two. Oh my gosh, I can't <laughs> even imagine. So what is it about your background or get us a little bit familiar for readers that don't know you that has made you such a cookbook phenom? Well, I would say, well, first of all, um, my whole life, I studied to be an artist before all this, and I got a degree in art and um, was in graduate school for art when I decided that cooking was really my passion. And I had the unique experience actually of working in a lot of restaurants where because vegetarian restaurants were kind of loose and fancy free. <laughs> sort of hippies. <laughs> kind of hippie, whole grain vegetarian places that I was able to have a lot of creativity and discovered that I was really very good at creating a recipe and writing it down and making it work, and which was not something everybody was good at, right? Right. And, you know, so I uh, developed a lot of recipes at restaurant, you know, restaurants where I worked and um, was just really passionate about doing it. And so I was actually at um, my last job job. I was at the Wedge Co-op and I developed probably, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of recipes for them and realized like, well, yeah, I, I should really give it a try and see if I can, you know, do this for me. And so that was really how that all started is I just felt very, you know, and so I had years of, you know, experience doing it in a way, you know, not really getting the credit for it. And right. so I, I just started writing locally here and then it all went from there. Do you remember your first, like when someone said, yes, we're going to publish your cookbook and your first agreement, how that made you feel? Oh, I, yeah, I thought it was the you know, my life was going to take a whole new path and it did, you know, but yeah, it just was, you know, it was a dream. I'm just generally kind of practical and I don't have a lot of crazy dreams. Um, but the dream of having a cookbook, although, you know, it took years, it's like, uh, you know, bands who finally make it, who, you know, play for years and years and years. And then you're like, wow, you just hit, 
you know, so, um, yes. And I, I remember, you know, everything about, yeah, the day that, you know, I was at a conference and I gave my proposal to a publisher and, you know, the last day he, I had shown it to two or three other publishers, none of which were interested. And this, the very last day he came up and said, you know, we should do a book together. And I just, you know, was sort of high on life. I could barely, you know, contain myself from jumping up and down and, you know, so. It is super thrilling. I I've learned so much in the last like year talking to cookbook authors And a lot of the listeners, like you don't necessarily need to know the ins and outs, but here's what I will tell you. Like, I think I had this idea that writing a cookbook was going to be like this super lucrative endeavor. And that like, I was going to make a lot of money on this book and like me and the barefoot Contessa. And what I've since learned is cookbook uh, publishing has changed a lot since the internet, just like book publishing and just like radio and all the other things. And content is really something that everyone expects for free, basically, because they can get a lot of it for free. And it's really created a couple of opportunities. One is it's democratized who can produce content, right? You don't need to be a cookbook writer to put your recipes out of there on TikTok and whatever you need to do. So in some respects, maybe that's good, but it's also like, taken what would be considered careers for people and really made it so that it's not sustainable to make a living. Like someone I talked to recently said that their first cookbook advance was $20,000. And I just about fell out of my chair because mine was uh, a lot less than that, about 20, uh, or excuse me, it was about 75% less than that. So now on the one hand, I'm really grateful that I have the opportunity and I'm looking forward to it. And you know, all money's good money, but it is something that it like, it takes you a whole year. You can't take other projects because you're just constantly having to like, keep moving this piece forward. How has that felt as your industry has changed? Yeah, it's, um, yeah, at first, when I first started, it was, everything seemed to be moved. I was, you know, I was like, okay, I'm going to do this and I'm going to make a little more each time and it's going to go upward. And um, I was able to actually, Remember when the first books came out, I actually made more money writing for magazines because of the books or writing about things that were in the book where it was like, oh, you wrote a whole grain book doing a whole grain article for us, you know? And so it was a great, and that's what they'll always tell you. It's like, well, it's a great platform as we say, which means you get other work other places. But of course, everybody, you know, nobody wants to give you any money for anything. So it's all like, well, you can sell your books at our thing, or you can, you know, do this for free for me and it'll sell your books. And you, it's not, it doesn't work that way. But, um, and I would say everything there were the first big crash for me was the economic crash, you know, right before, right around the time Obama got elected. I remember there was that big economic crash and 2008, probably 2008. And that was when I think I remember reading that I think a couple hundred magazines closed within a few months, you know, so magazine publishing, you know, kind of got ruined. And, um, and of course all the magazines, you know, were going online and that continues to this day as I keep getting uh, where I'm writing for some publication or some online person, and then they get bought up big mergers. 
and all of a sudden the pay that is just a happened to eating well my one of my favorite kind of newer magazines that i thought was getting so good and they just sent me a card in the mail like sorry we're not gonna be publishing anymore but you can get better homes and gardens if you want yes yeah it's all you know it's this monopoly thing um and the, yeah that's happened with me with two or three you know online websites that i wrote for where all of a sudden it's like they've been bought up by somebody and so yeah that was really sad about eating well but so yeah it's been just sort of a it's a rough and rocky you know trajectory so it's really um but i still have hope actually i'm working on book proposals now so i i still think it's possible to write a book and people still do write books but you know there's the whole thing where you know the people who get the most money are people who are like say food tv stars or right. celebrities you know it's easier for someone like Gwyneth Paltrow to get right. <laughs> Cheryl Crow, whose book was actually pretty good. I thought her cookbook was better than most. Well, that's the lane I'm trying to go for, Robin. So when I become like a super celebrity star, my only problem is, is I'm not like a chef. I'm just a home cook. So I don't know if home cooks can get that far, but we'll see. And I'm also <laughs> old. So that's, you know, probably not in my favor because I'm not hot, sexy and 20, but I was once, so maybe I can like make that joie de vie in my head and translate that to the screen and no one will notice. Who knows? Okay, Robin, I'm going to name all of your cookbooks here because I want people to know how many you have and how many varied titles. So we're going to go from, you probably put these in newest to oldest, so I'm going to do that. Uh, Big Vegan, was that your first? Nope, nope. That was my third, maybe. Okay, then we have Sweet and Easy Vegan, Juice It, Energizing Juices for All Times a Day. I remembered that cookbook. That was a good one, too. Gluten-Free Pasta, Great Bowls of Food, 300 Best Blender Recipes. Can I just ask, like, blender recipes, were these, like, for people that didn't have teeth kind of thing or just? <laughs> you know, I, the Vitamix is an amazing machine. And so I found out there was stuff you can do you know, so many things in there. And so it was like everything from, um, I actually had a body care section in there making like, you know, face stuff and lotion and then oh, I need uh, to get that. sauces and condiments and, um, you can make ice cream in it. You can make yeah. soup, you can, you know, so it honestly was, uh, but it was, you know, th that was a big hook actually, you know, publishers as often have not have asked me to do books about a topic as a, more actually than I've pitched the topic to them. So that was one where the publisher said, you know, do a, you know, appliance cookbooks are hot. Yeah. This one. Instant so, hot or yeah. yeah. All right. I need to get that because I feel like my Vitamix is the thing I've spent the most money on and used the least, but mm -hmm. I enjoy it. And I'm glad I have one. I just rarely use it. So having your cookbook would help me make things more. Okay. Flexitarians and curious omnivores. That seems sort of of the day. Also, plant-based meals, hearty, high-protein recipes for vegans. And your latest one, which is about vegan menu planning, and it is called, I'm looking right here. Vegan meal prep. Vegan meal prep. A five-week plan with 125 ready-to-go vegan meal plans. You know, meal planning is something that's super interesting because I think generally when people meal plan, they just eat better. Would you say that's true? Absolutely. I always say you've got to set yourself up to succeed. So whatever your dietary goals are, if you just wander through life, you know, 
hungry, you're not going to meet them, right? Is you're surrounded by poor choices. But so if you're deliberate about it and you set yourself up with the, you know, shop, set yourself up with stuff, and then you've got the right food there, then you're not going to whatever, stop at the, you know, drive through the drive through or whatever it is. So whatever your goals are, you know. When you think about um, plant-based eating and vegan eating, what do you think, do you think, how do you think people get interested in vegan diets generally? Is it like they have a health scare or is it just becoming more popular for younger folks to just eat that way in terms of sustaining the environment? It's very interesting that there's, you know, there's a lot of different pathways in. I would say that in the most recent years, the more people, I'm meeting more and more people who get into that style of eating because of the environment, right? As you know, there's been a lot of people acknowledging, you know, that your carbon footprint and what you eat has an effect on the environment. But there is a very, um, you know, a growing and intense movement about, you know, animals, about, you know, leaving the animals alone, just leave them alone, be nice to them. Yep. Um, because we don't actually have to eat them. Um, so there is, and that I would say are the people who are the most super dedicated about it. But I would like for plant-based eating just to be something you know, everybody can do it to some degree, you know, the more plants you eat, the better. I think too, I was just talking to a friend today and she's trying to eat more plant-based and she's like, you know, I'm just kind of stuck on salads. She's like, once, you know, like you can take protein off the salad and you can add nuts and you can add beans and you can make your salad really hearty. But she's like, I don't know what's next after salad. Well, she just needs one of my books. Yes, she does. She needs all of them, actually, <laughs> as I was going through here. Um, also, is plant, this is the other thing I think about plant-based eating that you can help me because I think it's probably a myth, but I think when you take meat out of your diet, people go crazy on cheese. They go crazy on sugars. They go crazy on grains, which, you know, I don't know if that's necessarily healthier. So do you find that? And how do you encourage people to maybe have balance? Right, right. Well, that's the thing is um, that was, you know, when people first go vegetarian, you know, it's very easy. Yeah. To just be eating cheese, cheese, cheese. And so I would say I wrote a great length in my vegan book about the idea that meat and cheese and things like that are very concentrated, you know, intensely flavorful foods. So in some ways, you kind of have to get your palate to adjust to not having them, you know, and you will taste other things. Other things taste great. You know, you also have to learn how to build some complexity into your food. So I've written a lot about how to get umami and, you know, make sure you're building in, you know, some some really intense flavors, you know, some sweet and some salty and some sour and some, you know, some some flavor. And that's part of, you know, we really usually get into, you know, you'll see vegetarians are always, we're putting tamari and nutritional yeast and stuff on there. Cause those are things that have umami and give things a more sort of meaty presence. Yeah. So yeah, but you don't want to just be eating lettuce. Of course, that's not going right. to be very satisfying. What is nutritional yeast? Nutritional yeast is, was actually invented as a B12 supplement. Interesting. Or 
Yeah, one of the earliest vegan um, groups here in the United States was the people on something called the farm. And so it's a not active yeast. So it doesn't, you can't, you know, it's not alive. It doesn't make bread that has been grown in a certain way and that has B12 in it. And it's just, it's got a lot of protein. It's this yellow flaky yeast and it tastes cheesy. So it's sort of like, you know, vegans just love it, but I think everybody ought to just try it on popcorn once and see if they like it. Okay. Cause that's, I have some, but I've never done that. So I'll make sure that I do that because popcorn is my kryptonite. Yeah. Just get your, you know, get your popcorn with some, either pop it with some good olive oil or, you know, something like that. And so the yeast will stick and just put that on there with a little, you know, it's really yummy. Yeah. It sounds like it's good. So Robin, you also are on Twin Cities Live a lot. How often are you on? I'd say about every other month. I think at one point it was once a month and it just, you know, it's just sort of, you know, depends. It's kind of hard. Like people underestimate how hard it is to cook all this stuff and plan for it. And then you set your table and then you have your segment that's like five minutes long and then you're done. Yeah. It's just like, uh, it's like, cause I also do videos, you know, as you see something that's two minutes long or five minutes long, whether, you know, and it's, it's taken hours to do, but it's pretty fun going over there, you know, but yeah, you do, you end up prepping at home, you know, for a long time beforehand, because you don't cook it all there. You make all this food ahead of time. So there's, so it really does. It takes uh, quite a bit of time. Do you use a professional videographer or how did you learn how to do food videos? Nope. Nope. I don't have that kind of money. So <laughs> it's expensive. I've, like I, a friend of ours is a brand, food brand and wanted, I think they quoted her for like two 60 second or 30 second videos. It was like almost $2,000. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's thousands and thousands of dollars, you know, to pay someone and, you know, you get what you pay for, I guess, but no, I actually have three iPhones. I use two. I have the new ones with the professional pro, whatever the uh, cameras. Um, And I've gone through a lot of different iterations. I still, I have lights because I also photograph food. So I just, um, and I have little, you know, little, uh, pet, you know, things for holding the phones. And, you know, I've got the little gooseneck iPhone holder and all that yep, stuff. Yep. So, but I just um, had to sort of learn how to do it on my own. Yeah. So then did you learn, like, do you use iMovie or what do you use for editing? Cause I think people have no idea how long it takes to edit like a podcast, you know, oh, yeah. every podcast takes about 90 minutes to edit. And I, with video, I just feel like it takes forever. Right. Well, I have two different things I use on my computer for the things I put on YouTube. I use something called Caden Live, which is a free downloadable software, which is kind of similar to like the i the i product, the Apple one, except it's free. And then on my phone, I use something called InShot, and I use that for editing anything I'm going to post on Instagram. So I pre-edit my reels in InShot because that way I have control over it and all that stuff takes forever. So I know it does. And your content's really good on Instagram. So I want people to follow you too. Where do you want them to follow you, Robin? Oh, go to Instagram and just look for Robin Asbel. I think it's Robin Asbel plant-based chef. And I am on Facebook as Robin Asbel author or just Robin Asbel. If you go on there and friend me, if you, you know, say something maybe, but you know, I get so many weirdos trying to friend me on Facebook. So if I don't really actually know you, I might not 
Except, yeah. And so, and then I have YouTube channel, Robin Asbell Plant-Based Chef. I've been doing that once a week since the beginning of the pandemic, which has now turned out to be what, over two years. So. Well, and what people don't know is that YouTube is still one of the ways that creators can actually make money. And it's a, it's not a lot of money, but it is something. So if you follow Robin on YouTube, that helps her and uh, you can watch her videos and you can get her new book that's going to be coming out. And even if you're like, maybe not vegan yourself, the, I, I just, the green book in particular sticks in my mind as one that I learned a lot. And there's so many different greens that you can use you know, whether it's barley or farro or wild rice and seeds, millet, I've just really expanded my horizon on what is a grain and how to use it. And that's all because of your cookbook. Well, thank you. I love hearing that. Yeah. I mean, it's really nice once in a while I'll get an email or, you know, someone will reach out and say that they're still making things for my books and that's great. It's wonderful. Yeah. Thank you so much for spending time with me today. We had lunch the other day and it was really a highlight. It's so fun to like get back in people's faces, literally like, hey, I can see you face to face. I anticipate I that we'll hang out again. Yes. Well, you know, we used to run into each other all the time. And then we it did. was just, oh, so well, great. Right. Well, thanks for having me on. Yeah, it was a pleasure. And we'll talk soon, Robin. Thanks. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks.